VA Health and Benefits, official mobile app for VA Health and Benefits. VA's official mobile app is a smarter, more convenient way for veterans to manage and carry their VA Health and Benefits information. One veteran notes, I went into my local hardware store and logged into my VA mobile app. A quick glance at my phone showed them I was a veteran and I was able to get the veteran discount without any paperwork. It was easy and convenient. Download the app via the Apple Store at https colon forward slash forward slash apple dot co forward slash three uppercase j lowercase b lowercase k nine uppercase o lowercase l or download the app via the Google Play Store at https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash 3 uppercase Q 5 lowercase Q 9 uppercase L 5 Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I'm your host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on Hoobazoo.com. I want to thank my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate and Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing and my supporters, all veteran-owned businesses, Semper Savage Salad Dressing, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Quezon Shaving Company. I am super, super excited about today. It's not very often I get to do something like this where I get to, you know, talk with, you know, a different kind of person, but the same kind of person. Um, I got approached by people at the Veterans Administration about the VA app. And I'm like, VA app? I know there's a VA app. And so working with it, I got to play with it. I got to use it. And I'm like, I got to talk to the, the person or persons behind this. So it's with great pleasure to introduce Chris Johnson to Oscar Mike Radio. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Travis. It's great to be here and great to meet you and be speaking with you and to your audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I nerd all about this, Chris. I'm like, I'm going to dive into this. I'm going to see how it is. Um, you know, we talked before the show got started. I, I don't, I'm not a developer, but I do deal with developers in my my real job. But I always ask everybody, you know, kind of get a sense of where they are, they're from. You know, how did you get into software development in the first place? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, and I'll preface by saying I generally much prefer to talk about the work and talk about myself, but I'll do my best to reach your questions here. Um, both my parents were um, more in software. They were software engineers. Uh, my father, who's an Air Force veteran, served in Korea. He's an electrical engineer from Columbia, and he worked in, um, he basically ran giant IT systems for the big construction industry. And uh, my mother was also one of the first women ever to graduate Columbia um, University with a a mechanical engineering degree. So I've had computers since I was six years old, which didn't really exist. <laughs> I get that. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What was your first computer? 
It was an Ohio Scientific Challenger 1P. It had four kilobytes of RAM, and nobody has ever heard of it. I haven't heard. Mine was a TI-994A. All right, Chris, we are we are we are tracking. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is going to be great. Oh yes. So okay, so you start with four four kilobytes of RAM. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't get you far today, would it? <laughs> no, no, no. So, okay, so you you got started early and often. How how was that playing around with that technology back then? Uh, you know, whatever. As a as a kid, you're you're mostly goofing around. I think uh, I, later on in my life, I did you know um, uh, had a little bit of a computer science background. I focused on computer graphics, and that's actually what I did as a kid. It was try to figure out how to like create animations in my little four kilobyte thing with, you know, simple ASCII graphics. Essentially, it was um, uh, pretty proud of myself as an eight-year-old, but kind of, kind of uh, With ASCII? Yeah, with all, yeah, with all with animated ASCII, yeah. This is, this is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> so you start playing, and, and that's what I did as a kid. I, I played around with the, the, the thing, and then my dad got me an uh, IBM PC Junior. And a lot of it was just trial and error. So you just kept this going throughout high school and college? Yeah, when I went to school, I tried to shirk it and I went to do photography. Like I tried to totally go the other direction. And by my second semester in school, the photography classes were all full, but the computer science classes were not. So I ended up back in computer science and uh, in computer animation. And that was most of my career since then has been in um, sort of, um, what I, what I call media. So uh, 3D graphics is where I spent the first decade of my career doing 3D graphics and 3D animation and various high-end animation software tools. And I've worked in um, a lot of internet software, obviously, and uh, music and online advertising. Um, and now I'm here at the VA trying to bring some of these skills here. I'm just curious, I always ask this to all my guests, did you serve in the military? I did not have the opportunity to serve in the military. So I look a little bit at my federal service here as doing doing the best I can in that regard. Just let me ask you this then, you know, what was it like, you know, did you, were you able to watch your father serve in the Air Force or did you come after that? I was long after that. He tells a lot of, a uh, lot of stories. He served in Korea. He's much older than um, probably many of your listeners. Um, and so he has a lot of stories. I think it was a different time then, but he tells a lot of stories of the sort of the things that he learned that he was able to bring. You know, he came back and used a GI Bill and went to school to get his um, his electrical engineering degree and then brings brought a lot of that um, you know on the job training that he got to to his the rest of his career. So it's interesting to hear some of uh, some of his stories. And you think we're you know we're, we're talking about ancient ancient history with four kilobytes of RAM on my first computer. Like he had literal drums that he was running that were that were that ran for the computer systems he ran. And big huge rooms, right? And vacuum yeah. tubes and right, right. So you may not have served, but you saw you know what your father did with the GI Bill to build a life for himself. And did that did that stick with you at all as you entered federal service? Um, it, it did. You know, the, I, I'm going to answer your question with a longer answer than you, than, than sure, you asked. No problem. Um, I came to, to the government not that long ago, maybe five, six years ago, um, I guess it was a little over six years ago, through an organization called the U.S. Digital Service. And this is a pretty small group based out of the, based out of the White House initially that tries to attract um, technologists from the private sector to come do service in the federal government. 
And the reason that it's considered service is because the federal government cannot pay you what you're going to earn at Google and Facebook and Amazon. So right, the idea right. is bring some federal, bring some of those, you know, private sector skills, you know, doing um, technology at scale, bring it to the government, help the government do some things better, and then go back on your way, you know, to, to continue your career. And I came here as part of that um, originally in the Obama administration where this system was created. I spent a year at the Department of Education, which was an incredible experience. I absolutely loved it there. And I came to VA to work on a couple of projects here. And um, I can't imagine going back, honestly. The mission is just so profound. And the idea of doing work that has like its sole purpose is to directly benefit the people who are using the tools. It, for me, at this stage of my career, is just so important. And I'd much rather do that than anything for profit motive at this point. That's very interesting because, you know, I've talked to a lot of civilians in the last year and a half who maybe didn't serve, but had a family member that did. And then they find an opportunity through their business, nonprofit, or just day to day to serve their fellow Americans and their fellow veterans. And you're right, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for the U.S. government to attract that talent because of what the market's doing right now. So you're in this space, you, you, you started this off. What led to the creation of an actual app on your phone for veterans? It seems kind of like, duh, but, you, you know, there's a lot that goes into making an app anyway. There's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, how did that come to be? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. It's a, per it's a perfect segue. Um, and I, I will say to you, Travis, and to all the people who are listening, like the work that we're talking about here that we're going to talk about some more is going on here at VA and in a lot of other parts in the government. And if you're a technologist that wants to help in this way, you should apply because we want you. We need you to come work here. And I'll, I'll repeat that later on. Um, that the app came from, you know, it was really a, a bet in a lot of ways. Our, our chief technology officer who I work for, Charles Worthington, um, in the early on in the pandemic, he, he made this bet. The idea was the pandemic is forcing people into their homes and, and therefore they're not able to get out to the medical center or the regional office or the, the vet center to have the regular interactions that they were having. What things can we do to make it easier for them to interact with VA on the go, right? So wherever they are, when, whenever they are. And that was kind of the, the core of, of where it came from. And so we started with, as we do many things, you know, um, in this, in, in VA in general, in our particular office, with a human-centered design approach, right? So we go out to the veteran community, we do a bunch of research, like what are the things that you need to do frequently and often, or that are difficult for you, or that you spend a lot of time doing? And those were the ideas that we came with to see the first features of the app. And then we go back and work with veterans, like, well, how do you think about your claims? How do you think about your, um, your healthcare? How do you think about your care team and messages? And the thing that we wanted to do, and this is, you sort of alluded to this earlier in creating a VA app, was to create an app for the VA. Unfortunately, the way that many government agencies work and program offices within those government agencies and at VA are, um, like they, they're, it's all very well intentioned, but it ends up being siloed. So Congress creates a law that an agency shall do something. So the agency stands up a program office to do that one thing. And unfortunately, that one thing doesn't always connect to all of the other program offices and all of the other things. So you end up with a system to apply for healthcare, a system to 
check your claims, a system to enroll in school, and every single one is a different website or a different login, a different user experience. So the idea with the app was no, we are VA, we're going to present ourselves to veterans as VA. So this is an app that lets you check your claim and upload documents for that claim, or talk to your care team, or look at your payments that you're getting from various parts of VA. So it's across all of the, um, all the agency. So it's it's one thing to do a business requirements document for a you know, set of users, right? You know, you, you have a focused set of users or a target audience you're trying to reach. But the problem I have to think is you're creating this this application not just for a veteran between the ages of like 22 and 30, but 22 to 70, 80. So it has to be able to be used by a wide range of people with different skill levels, a couple of levels of technology, and you know, understanding, you know, different pattern flows. So so from from my side, I'm like, how in the world did you all approach it to to try to make it as simple as possible, but powerful as possible at the same time? Uh, I love the question. Thank you. And my my father is 92. Um, so the, the age range goes <laughs> pretty high up there. Right. Um, we take, um, there's a, a phrase that we use here, which is um, accessibility beyond compliance, right? So the federal government and, and companies throughout the country have this obligation to be what's referred to as 508 compliance. 508 is a law that says that tools need to be accessible to all users, irrespective of their particular physical or cognitive abilities. Um, it's generally thought of as, oh, blind people need to be able to use it. And that's definitely true, 100% true. We want to be able to do that. But this mantra, this accessibility beyond compliance is trying to take that to what the actual intent is, which is that we want the things that we're creating for people to be able to solve whatever problem they have related to VA to be usable by all those people, right? So we need to take into account, well, there may be people who are applying for um, disability compensation and they're suffering some kind of trauma, right? So we need to make sure that we understand their mental state and are not causing them anxiety in the, in the process. There are people who do have sighted, who have limited sight capabilities, so we need to make sure that we work with screen readers. There are people who may have other um, physical challenges, so we need to make sure that those things are, are capable as well. I'll say that, you know, this is a mobile app, so there is a base level of, of um, uh, capability required that a you have a you know a smartphone and right. be able to use it generally but going back to this these principles of human-centered design everything that we do we we try to recruit users to test our our hypotheses our theories on how we can use them and test those with people with all sorts of abilities to make sure that they are able to you know read or see or hear the words and understand what they mean and take the actions that they need to take in order to solve their problems and our goal is to get them through the problems as quickly as possible you want to check your claim status let's make that fast you don't want to wait on the phone for 45 minutes you don't want to have to navigate through a bunch of noise to get there we're just trying to make it as easy as possible because people have lives to lead well it was really interesting because i i doubt so here's my story um i told my veteran service officer in the town of abington massachusetts Adam Gunn, what was going on with the with the public service announcement we've been running Oscar Mike Reed and other things. He's like, download it now. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it when I get home, Adam. Don't brain, do it now. And I did it now. He's like, look at what you can do with this. Like I've had this for a year. And that kind of leads me to my next thing is how many veterans 
when, when we started talking, I think back in October, November, I think I was told there was close to a million veterans that had kind of piloted this. And that's that's amazing. You can get a million people to pilot your, your project. You're going to get a good sample of problems and successes. So, so question one, how has that pilot process been? And then two, how many users do you have using it now? Yeah, uh, it's great. The it's it's been going remarkably well, right? Like I said, we made a bet that this was a thing that this was a thing that would be useful, and turned out the bet was good. Like it is useful, and people love it. I think we hit the the million download mark in the beginning of November. It you know, and very coincidentally coincided with just around the, the Veterans Day, maybe the day before Veterans Day, we hit that milestone, which was good. Um, it launched about a year and a half ago, so it was summer of 2021 that it launched pretty quietly. Like you said, it was sort of a pilot. We weren't doing any marketing and really still aren't. A lot of it is is word of mouth and a little bit of promotion on the on the VA website. Um, and so now we've, you know, it's a couple months after that, we've got a few hundred thousand more users. I think we see about a half million users active on the app every month. Um, and, you know, there are you know, a couple of some features and they have different popularity that I think the thing that is still most used is um, uh, is claim status, right? That's the thing that many, many veterans are have the most anxiety about. Like, I filed a claim, what's my status? And so we've heard so many stories of veterans who, who whose day is um, created around checking their claim status. So they wake up in the morning and then they get themselves a cup of coffee and then they wait until five minutes after nine in the morning to call the hotline and talk to somebody to see if there's an update on their claim. No, they don't have to do that. They can just check that app every morning if they're really that interested about it, and you will you will see an update right there. So there's no more uh, there's no more waiting for it. But uh, checking claim status, looking at appointment status is another big one, um, and uh, downloading uh, benefit letter verifications is another big one that people are using on a pretty regular basis. Man, I got to tell you, uh, Chris, one of the things for me, I'm going through a claims review process now. It's a different story. We won't get into that. But one of the things I absolutely like is I'm one of these guys who uh, has my OneDrive connected to my phone and all my VA documents on my OneDrive. And the fact I can upload my document to my primary care or right from my phone instead of my computer might not seem like a big deal to a lot of people, but to me, I don't have to go to my computer, which might be eight hours depending upon where I'm at and what I'm doing. It's just, hey, I need your document. I'll get it to you in, in five minutes, Doc. That has changed everything, and I think back to ten. I think back ten years ago, I couldn't even do that. I would have to, you know, go home, wait for the email to come, scan it, you know, attach it to the email, and get it uploaded. To the fact that I have it right here in the power of my hand is, is great, and um, I just like that it says, you know, VA right there. It's just, it's just really cool. And I wanted to ask about. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it right now. I really like this red bar. Uh, talk to the Veterans Crisis Line now. Now, what was the the driver to put that feature in the app? Yeah, um, you touched on a bunch of things there. I'll answer that question first. The uh, the Veterans Crisis Line is an incredible resource for for veterans. They it's it's an amazing group. They handle a vast, pretty vast suite of problems. It's really intended for people who are feeling like they're in in crisis, some kind of mental health crisis where there's concern that they may do harm to others or harm to themselves. And so access to that is is really, really important. It's across 
every single page of the VA website, and it's the first thing that you see when you when you launch the app. Um, because we want to make sure that veterans know that there is a network of support for them. And so I uh, I haven't looked at it um, uh, closely recently, but I think you have the option of speaking to somebody in chat on the phone, um, probably through teletype also if you have um, uh, uh, hearing challenges. And so that I'm a huge huge support of that of that group. All right, so let's. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They, you had mentioned something earlier that I want to touch on about the the access in your phone for the for the documents. And there's a specific thing, but a more general thing I want to say about that. Um, one of the goals that we have for all of this work that we're doing on the app and on the VA.gov website is to try to make VA be as simple and intuitive as all of the other things that you use in your everyday life, right? And you know, the VA doesn't, like, we, we want to do this. This is something that we want to do. And VA doesn't make systems that are complicated out of malice. It's the process that I described earlier, right? There's 600 program offices, each created independently from a law, and they just operate independent, independently. And it's gotten so complicated, it's become hard for, for veterans. I used to talk about it like, you know, if you went to your bank, Bank of America, like you'd have one site to um, check your checking account with a login and a different site to pay bills with a different login and then a different site to transfer money from one to the other with a different login. And that's kind of what we created. So what we're trying to do here, and but that's not what Bank of America does. Bank of America gives you a website and a login where you can do all of those things. Right. And right. that's what we're trying to do, right? One place where you can do all of those things. And so there are some fundamental things which you mentioned here that are table stakes, right? Every private sector company that you interact with from your insurance company to your bank to your dentist, whatever, they all do some basic things and the app lets you do them. Starting with like face ID or biometric login, right? You said you don't want to have to go to your computer. Typically, let's say you wanted to send a message to your doctor, you have to go to wherever your computer is, you got to flip open the laptop, you got to wait for it to boot up, you got to launch the browser, you got to go to the um, got to go to the website, you got to sign into the website, you got to do the two-factor auth, you got to navigate to the secure messaging thing, and then check to see if your doctor responded. Oh, I didn't get a response. Now you just look at your phone, click the app, and you're and you're right there, right? It seems pretty basic, but it saves so much time and, and hassle. Absolutely. So let's switch gears a little bit. And, you know, I got, I got to go tech, Chris. I, I got to ask some tech-related questions. I just, I have to, I have to you're going through the development process a software development life cycle you know from building that first component to the static code to getting this app working with you know android and apple from a technical perspective because most businesses have their development silo and their their user silo so the business will tell the development hey we want this for our you know client base do it but to your point, you have a lot of different stakeholders kind of driving the process before you even lay that first component from your job development kit. So how do you deal with those challenges? This is a very different challenge scape than, say, what my developers deal with. Yeah, that's such an insightful question. Um, it's hard, right? VA has roughly 400,000 employees, and there's, like I said, hundreds of program offices, and everybody wants something, right? And so that creates a couple of challenges. The first is, you know, we're not, you know, we're not a giant team of thousands and thousands of people that can just 
bang out features, you know, day after day after day. Um, but more importantly, we don't want to, right? We don't want the app to become, you know, Microsoft Word with a morass of thousands of features that you can't figure out what's what. We want to make sure that it continues to provide value for the things that veterans need to do. And so it's a very fine line where we're trying to work with the business lines that are most important to veterans today and that will go down the line, right? So disability, healthcare, education, pension, those are things that are kind of top line and add the capabilities that veterans need now. While at the same time, trying to say, no, don't go build a separate app. We're trying to make this a single experience. Don't make a, a whole separate app for, you know, just checking your appointments. That's not going to be useful to people. We want to put that in here. Oh, we're not ready to do it yet. So hang on, hang on a second. And that is exactly the challenge. And you, you dealt with these challenges because I'm like, I'm looking at this and I'm making my list, checking it twice. I'm like, this is doing everything on my phone that I would normally have to go to my PC to do. Um, and if I'm at work, I don't want to use my work PC to do these functions. I'm going to wait till I'm at home. And like I, I can be sitting in my office during a meeting or on a coffee break and execute business there. So that leads me to my next thing is you're doing this and there's technical challenge, procedural challenges, uh, you know, uh, cultural challenges that you're you're overcoming. What was it like, Chris? Look at me and tell me what was it like when you started seeing like the the light in the tunnel and this thing started working. What what's what's that been like for you and your team? It's, I love that you are clearly so familiar with how this process goes and the and the the challenges between what like what stakeholders want and what developers can and should de deliver and. The, I, I have a product management background and our job as product managers is to figure out that perfect nexus between what's possible, what's desirable, and what's actually effective and right. deliver, deliver the effective thing. I have a lot of mantras apparently. Another one of the mantras that we have in the in in the office that, that I work at is um, delivery is the strategy. And so we we embrace a lot of the you know private sector ideals around agile methodology and doing small things incrementally, right? Don't wait five years to build something and just release a big bang at the end of the five years because by the time you got there, like not only is it going to be wrong, but the problem has moved past you and there's a new problem. So we want to do many things smaller and repeatedly, and that has that has been great because. That's not the way that government typically works. And so in working with all these stakeholders, even though there might be you know, a little bit of disagreement around the edges about exactly what a feature is or exactly how it works or which one was first versus which one was second, the fact that we've delivered something of value that veterans like and use generally overcomes both of that because everybody has the same goal. We're just trying to make it easier for veterans to get the things that they've earned from their country. Awesome, awesome. I didn't want to assume that you were agile, but I'm like, there's, there's no way this is waterfall. It cannot be waterfall. Excellent, excellent. Look, ladies and gentlemen, you, you know, there's the old joke we have in the military, Chris, about your military working for you or your government issued gear being done by the lowest bidder. And I'm just one person, just one Marine, but I'm like, this app works. Oh my God, this app actually works for me. How cool is this? And, and the reason I kind of want to bring light to that is it's really easy to use the VA as a punching bag for problems or whatever, but I have found, and I'm not just 
it's not because they're just on the line. I, I went through a very traumatic experience, um, you know, in 2021 and the VA did for me what they said they were going to do. And, and it was a really positive experience. And I'm like, you know, I, I want people to understand that there are people like yourself at the VA working to make our lives better. And it's really insightful to get these stories. I guess to kind of wind this down as we go through this, what do you hope happens this year with this app for veterans? I'm going to answer that in two ways, um, a specific and general. Um, sure. Specific is we still have a long way to go, right? There's, like I said, a dozen or two features, and we know that there are some other top line things that we need to get done. Shipping soon in a couple of weeks will be the ability to um, see your medications, your prescriptions, and request refills on the on the app. So that'll be huge as well. Um, also on the roadmap is being able to look at and download your medical records. We have a couple of other things which are um, also big, maybe kind of smaller or second tier for many people, like checking into an appointment and requesting um, reimbursement for travel costs to those appointments. Um, and we're also trying to do things around notifications, like reminding you when it's time to do something like, hey, did you remember that we're waiting on this document from you for your claim? Or um, you need to certify your classes for your education bill, things like that to be a little bit more proactive. So those, those are some of the specifics. Um, the general, I, I want to address your comment about VA being a punching bag. It's, it's absolutely true. And some of it is warranted. I think some of it is not. And that's true across government in general. Some of it is warranted and some of it is not. Um, you know, there's a, you know, the phrase, sort of a sarcastic phrase, well, it's good enough for government work. But my understanding is that in my father's day, that was a compliment. That was not uh, an insult. It's like, wow, well, that is good enough for government work. And I want us to get back there where like, people are looking at the work from the government as a gold standard by which high quality experiences should be should be designed and delivering services that people have, have earned. Awesome, awesome. Two, two final things. How can veterans or how should veterans get this app if they want it? That's a basic question, but I just want to put it out there because it's always good to, to know. Thank you for asking the question. I should have said that up front. It's super easy. It is available for both iOS or iPhone and Android. Um, you go to the respective app store on either one of those, do a search for VA, and it should be the first or second item. The full name is called uh, VA Health and Benefits. Um, and the app when installed is just called VA. Thank you for that question. Uh, no problem, no problem. And, and you know, look folks, uh, I'm gonna have the link to both uh, uh, apps in the Oscar Mike Rio show post. You can just click on them and it'll take you right to the website that points to your phone you download. You know, Chris, I want to thank you for, for coming on and talking with me. I think to close this out is, you know, you said you didn't serve and you were doing this as a way to honor your father's service. And, you know, have you shown your dad this app? Have you? I, I have, yeah. I, a lot of the work that we've done on VA.gov and the app, I, I, I have shown. I have shown, What's, yeah. Well, this is really, really cool. You know, father to son, son to father. What's it like, you know, your dad served our country during a, a time in Korea that could have gone very, very differently had we not been involved. But your dad gets to see the work that you have done to serve not only him, but other veterans. What's that relationship been like at that, at that point in time, if you can share that with me? Uh, you're getting into big therapy. The questions that I don't know if I have time for. You just tell me, um, okay, it looks good. It looks, it looks, look at your face. It looks good. I, I, will, I, will, I will put it this way. If, 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 
if I ever struggled to make my father proud of me, I think I've done it. So that's that's good. Well done. Well done. Very well. Very well. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, but, you know, I'm always interested in the father-son dynamic. Well, again, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing with me. I can tell you personally that the app has made my life easier. Um, I, I can do everything on my phone. I don't have to wait for a computer, and I don't have to log in through three different things to go for it. It's just all there on my phone. So I just want to thank you for taking the time of your day to talk with me. And look, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a veteran that's on the fence, I'm telling you, go download the app. Adam, I did. You were right. Thank you very much. Um, Chris, uh, I just look forward to um, you know seeing the app grow and you know there's an open invitation to come back on and talk about new features down the road. Thank you very much. Sounds great, Travis. Thanks so much for having me. It was fantastic talking to you. Thank you. And as we say in Oscar Mike Radio, we are Mission in Flight. We'll see you next time. Join us on National Wreaths Across America Day, December 16th, 2023. Each December on National Wreaths Across America Day, our mission to remember, honor, and teach is carried out by coordinating wreath-laying ceremonies at Arlington National Cemetery, as well as more than 3,700 additional locations in all 50 states, at sea and abroad. Join us by sponsoring a veteran's wreath at a cemetery near you, volunteering, or donating to a local sponsor group. for listening and watching Oscar Mike Radio, where our active duty service members and veterans are in action and the mission is in flight. If you are a veteran or know a veteran who needs help, please dial 998 and press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line.